When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And now it's time for the TOT Cast with your hosts, Chris O'Kranitz and Ryan Greco. And welcome to the TOT Cast, brought to you by the Fansided Network and here at tipofthetower.com. I am Ryan Greco and I'm joined by my two wonderful co-hosts, Chris O'Kranitz and Natea J. If you have any questions for us, be sure to always reach us on Twitter. You can reach me at RyanGreco416. You can reach Chris O'Kranitz at Chris O'Kranitz and you can always reach Natea J at Tay. 11 underscore and always be sure to like our facebook page tip of the tower you got a question for the show be sure to hit us up on twitter at tip of the tower gentlemen how are we doing this evening chris doing pretty well can't complain uh excited for our guest later on in the show here how much stuff in the day uh how'd i say not too good oh uh, yeah you guys lost yesterday isn't that right yeah we did so mm, sorry about you know, it i'm not in uh, the best mood but you know i'm, I'm here and you know excited to Talk to Bob, who we have on later, and and you know, be here with you guys. Mm-hmm. Ryan, how you doing? I am extremely excited for our guest on the TOT cast this week. We have the one and only, not just Canadian Hall of Famer. We're talking about a legit baseball Hall of Famer in Cooperstown. He's in Cooperstown. That's right. It's a pretty and big deal. He is a big deal. One of the nicest but, guys too. Absolutely. Chris, who do we have on the show later on today? Uh, we got Toronto Sun and longtime beat writer for the Toronto Blue Jays, Mr. Bob Elliott, who's a near and dear friend of mine. And um, yeah, we all got a good chance to talk to him. And I, I can't say enough. It's still kind of surprising that he came on to talk with us. So he's been covering the Blue Jays for what, 20 years? I think a little bit longer, actually. Yeah. I think since, um, what, 80. So wow. he knows all those little things that, you know, people don't really get to. Yeah, he's he's privy to all the access with the Jays. Okay. He's got I'm all excited. access. I'm excited. So um, yeah, I'm, he's gonna have some great things for us. So I'm excited to see what he's got to say. Yep, looking forward to having him a little bit later. All right, so gentlemen, we um, we're, we're still here after three weeks. We still exist. I'm uh, I'm personally extremely happy about that. Um, I don't know you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, in our first uh, three weeks of our uh, of our show, we've we've actually failed to uh, mention a uh, possibly the most popular team in all of Toronto. Do you guys know who that might be? Well, I think that's actually the Toronto Babcocks. Hmm, the Babcocks. <laughs> or the Toronto Lamarillos. Or <laughs> somebody in upper management. I mean, they're worth more than what's on the ice right now. That's, a good I, that's what we're talking about, no? The Leafs? <laughs> are we talking about the Leafs, Ryan? I think we are definitely talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs. So, Tank for Matthews. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Going so far into this season, 
it really has been what we've expected. And to be perfectly honest, that's really why we haven't discussed much about the Leafs. We all knew that they weren't going to be very good this year. We all knew that Mike Babcock, like the biggest news that has happened with the Leafs has all been in their offseason. And I, I doubt we're going to have any other bigger storylines to talk about than the hiring of Mike Babcock this season. But seeing that it is Toronto. Well, the narrative's kind of been the rebuild, right? Exactly. It's also, can, can we sustain this scorched earth approach that we've never done before? Right. And one thing that's really helped the Leafs is having the the Blue Jays go on the run that they, they went on. Yeah. Kind of put them on the back burner and and didn't have kind of the all eyes on them kind of thing. That's usually what goes on. Well, who would have thought Mike Babcock's first win with the Leafs would go untalked about? Right. Like a couple of weeks ago when it happened when they opened the season and they won in Columbus, the Jays were right. in the playoffs and nobody gave a rip that the Leafs won. It was kind of like, oh, yeah, that team's playing. Right, right. Which is bizarre I mean, in this city. It is, but it's just what they needed in this year. Yeah, so I think that's something that can definitely help them going forward. But for the time being... They kind of got a little bit of an issue if, well, if you want to call it that. James Reimer's been pretty hot. There's been a recent resurgence of the Rye Minister of Defense. And, uh, <laughs> I love that is, is he going to be the guy going forward over Bernier, or people have been saying get rid of Bernier? One of the um, biggest questions that's now came apart in Leafland is that exact reason, is the fact that Bernier playing so terribly and Reimer, you know, it wasn't that long ago we were talking about how Reimer straight up lost the job to Bernier. When they were coming out of training camp, what was it about uh, two years ago? Was it Chris? Yeah, about that. I mean, he's he's lost it and won it a couple times, and then was leaving and staying, and it's been a circus with him. I, sometimes I do kind of feel bad for him, but that's part of being a, a professional goalie in a hockey crazed market like Toronto. Absolutely, and it's you know a lot of people. There's even been some whispers in the media talking about uh, the idea of because Reimer's playing so well right now that they should they even re-sign Bernier at the end of the season and to hear something like that to be perfectly honest just makes me laugh because you know we're not even at the quarter uh, post of the season that's yet that's what I was thinking it's kind of too early to yeah. you know we start thinking about that you gotta let the season kind of unfold and you know the, the storylines will kind of write itself but, mm-hmm. you know you, you, it's way too early right now well I think something that's really affected him is arbitration Nate you mentioned yeah. how it's an ugly process yeah. um, you've been with the Argos you haven't had to go through that process yet but you said there's some stories of guys where it kind of ruins their psyche a bit. Do you think that's something that Bernier suffering from? Right. Like, so he went through arbitration last summer, and you basically sit there, and the team is telling you all the reasons why they don't want to give you the amount of money that you're asking for, and that could be tough for, especially for a young player, to hear that from you know a team that you know guys that you know are, are part of your management group. So I feel like he's kind of suffering from that you know, from a psyche standpoint, where you know he's kind of been. You know, talk down upon. Obviously, when after he signs, they love you again, and they, they you know they want to tell you why you're great. But you know that stuff <laughs> can stick with you for a while if you're you know you're you're, you're sensitive. It's got to be pretty rough though to get shredded by a team that was right. as bad as the Leafs. Exactly. <laughs> like, it's not like uh, it's not like exactly. you get shredded by a team like uh, Detroit. You know what I mean? Or you know one of the top teams in the league like a Chicago. You're getting shredded by the Leafs. You know so yeah, a team that was in transition too. Right. So oh it's tough. It was tough. It's, un- it's unbelievable. And it's it's crazy to think that uh, there are even some people that are calling to not keep either of the goaltenders as if they're the reason why this team isn't very good. It's a sad thing. Yeah. The team's just not good, period. But, I mean, if you're looking down the road, a guy like Anton Bilbo, the uh, prospect they have with the Marlies, yeah, maybe he's going to be the future because this Bernie and Reimer, are they really going to be here by, by the time the team's good? Probably not. Who knows? But that's still a, a ways down the road. You would yeah. hope so with Reimer, though, because a lot of both of these guys are, you know, they're, they're only in their mid-20s, right? Right. So, I mean, 
I don't know. It just seems like it's completely up in the air right now. It, like I said, the the reason this team has just not been very compelling is because they just haven't been very good. And there's really now with Phil Kessel gone, there's really no other really person to point or point the finger at or. There's no talent on the ice. I mean, it, it's, that's what they're lacking. A guy like Morgan Riley is exciting to watch because he's young, he's upcoming. Um, people like to throw on the Scott Niedemeyer comparison mm-hmm. or some other, it, some hefty, hefty comparisons for him right now. And yes, he can grow into that. But aside from him, well, what do we really have to watch on the ice? I, I don't know about you guys, but right. nobody's getting excited to go watch Bozak or Lupo. Or, <laughs> yeah, Cadre's our best is, four right now, according to Babcock. But the, the thing is, they they are putting together like good efforts. They're playing they're playing hard. They're not just putting together like a horrible effort on the ice, right? So that's what you look for. Did they a, get oranges at halftime <laughs> and stuff too? <laughs> the whole we played hard. Yeah, yeah. Juice boxes. Right. Seriously. In a, in a transition like this, you just look for for you know effort, right? Are they trying? Are they buying into the system? And if they're doing that, I'm okay with that. You know, you know, they're not going to be great. You knew that. They only changed the coach. They didn't really change the product on the ice. But as long as they're buying in, and early reports have it, they're buying into the back off system, they're going to get better. It's only a matter of time. Well, well maybe they're cool. playing hard to get the heck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well, just like uh, just like those players busting their asses uh, trying to get out of uh, trying to get out of here, uh, I think we can get out of this topic. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's not too much to say. It'll be fun to talk about the Leafs as we progress into the trade season. Deadline. Yeah, yeah trade deadline will be fun. It's still yeah. pretty early. Yeah. We don't, they don't were playing better late, but it's still pretty early, I'd say. Mm-hmm. It's over, man. <laughs> over. I'm sorry. I had to break a team. <laughs> sorry, sorry. sorry <laughs> we're, we're building for the next two years yeah, here. Oh, yep. Let's just hope we commit to it. Yeah. <laughs> Listeners, we, we tried. There's your Leafs talk. <laughs> at, least, at least we know we got the right man uh, on top of this team, you know, Team Canada head coach. Well, yeah, so if he can true. stay, man, I don't know if they've right dumped man. enough dollars to keep somebody here for of his stature to lose. Fifty million reasons. Fifty. You fifty. Hope. Yeah. A fifty burger. That that takes a crap on Urban Meyer's salary. <laughs> Are you kidding me right now? I just showed you it's how desperate we were. Yeah. You know, I hope it works out. You know. And while moving on from one team that calls the ACC home that doesn't have a hope in hell in making the playoffs, we will uh, move on to another team, uh, the roommates, if you will. <laughs> that uh, have every reason to make the playoffs and once again challenging for another uh, division title, and that's in the Toronto Raptors. And they got off to a hot, hot start at 5-0, and but uh, recently they're uh, at 1-3 and and cooled down a little bit. Uh, gentlemen, your thoughts on the team moving forward and uh, they've, you know, the tough tests that they've been facing all November. It's uh, been mostly a road schedule. Uh, I've always made the argument during this month that it was a really good learning experience for these guys to get on the road and really mesh together in the way that they have, even if they don't come out of it with a winning record. I think that this team is more than capable of bouncing back. Uh, your thoughts? For the time being, the Raptors, I think they're they're in a good spot. You know, it's a long season. They've been on the road a lot. You know, it's nothing to pattern about. I know they lost against Sacramento in a, you know, tough, down-the-stretch game. But it's nothing to panic about. They're still winning at Atlantic. Boogie! <laughs> Boogie went crazy. You know, yeah, Boogie went crazy. And that's what happens when you have a bona fide superstar. You know, you can just give them the ball and watch them work. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they, they were caught by that. And and a little, they, they faded a little bit down down the stretch. But, yeah. you know, they're going to be fine. They're, it's a long season. And Atlantic is, is weak. So, you know, it's good that they work out all their little kicks now. And, and you know, mm-hmm. it'll pay off later. I'm still very impressed by this team, to be honest with you. Like, what do you guys think? Seeing Jonas Valanciunas develop has been a promising sign for the Raptors so far. I mean, the team as a whole hasn't been too bad. It hasn't been too great. It's They've been okay. You know, they haven't done anything too extraordinary, but they're developing. They're I got a along. question. 
Do you think at this point with you know, the additions to the, the defense side of the ball, are they more equipped to win a playoff series or, or maybe two than they were last year? I think they are. I'd say absolutely. Yeah. So I, so I, I'm thinking this year they, they might have less wins, but their prospects for winning in the playoffs are much better. So Why would they have less wins, though? I'm saying they might have oh, less they might have because last year they had they had what they had guys come off the bench to score Vasquez, Lou Will that could just score you know win you game. But this mm-hmm. year they may not have that same firepower, but they have better players to win in, in the playoffs. Well, let's, they let's do, face do it, do little things right. What do you think about that? Once Demari Carroll gets healthy, it's going right. to change a lot of things. He's not even fully healthy right now. Right, he with a foot in. Yeah, and right now one of the most exciting things for us to watch is seeing Corey Joseph and Kyle Lowry play together. Right. They've been. They've been dynamic. They've been and it's dynamic. kind of Absolutely. interesting to see Casey's trust build in Joseph. He's kind of became a rock or a guy that he can lean on. Right. And, I had and, 17 points uh, right. in Sacramento. And it's not even just the points. It's the, it's the leadership. It's the defense. It's guarding the other team's yep. best guard, you know what I mean, yep. and taking him out the game, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And just that relentless pressure on defense. It, you know, it's, it's very impressive to watch. And you can tell he's been coached up really well. Yeah, even when uh, you were talking about uh, with Kyle Lowry, he had uh, quite a few glowing things to say about Joseph so far early in the season. Uh, things such as the fact that Joseph, uh, he even went as far to say that Joseph could score at will right now. He was also talking about the the fact that he has the ability to be a, a defensive player of the year type uh, season if he continues the way he's going. And he's also realizing the fact that, uh, you know, in San Antonio, a lot of his uh, movement, a lot of what he was doing on the court was to set up other players such as Tony Parker, Tim Duncan. There were so many options there. Right. But when he's here, mm-hmm. um, they're they're allowing him the opportunity to score. They're allowing him the opportunity to uh, bring up his offensive game. And uh, we're, we're seeing that in spades, right. like I said earlier, with the 17 points. Uh, we knew we were going to get assists. We knew we were going to get defense. But this added scoring touch is, uh, has been a, a welcome surprise. Yeah, and... I'm going to go as far as to say, I'm calling it right now. He's going to show people parts of his game that's never been seen before. Because Toronto is not San Antonio where you're loaded from top to bottom and you have a limited role. He has a way bigger role this year and he's going to be asked to do a lot more. And, you know, people are going to be pleasantly surprised by, you know, how much he grows. Because, mm-hmm. you know, being expected to score and, and, and having a bigger role, mm-hmm. it, it forces you to grow as a player. And, you know, having the trust and the confidence from the coaches is going gonna, is gonna to be huge for him. And I think seeing that type of growth and the way that these guys are playing together, even in losses, right. uh, is more than enough reason for fans not to panic, oh, yeah. not to get worried. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're 1-3 right now, but let's face it, this is this is going to be, I, I, I bet you this is going to be their toughest road trip the entire season. Yeah, 1-3 got- in their last four yeah, mm-hmm. exactly, and they've got they've been facing a couple of playoff teams, teams that we're all expecting to see in the playoffs the last five games or so, and then yeah. going on the road and seeing all of the the difficult games that they still have ahead of them, and they're going to be on the road pretty much for the rest of November too. So mm-hmm. even if they come out of this sub five hundred, this is no time to panic. This team is already showing better signs than what it was showing last year near the end of the season. Because keep in mind, these guys were struggling hard at the end of last season. Yeah. It's part of the reason why they never got the 50 wins. Right. Lowry yeah. was hurt, too, pretty much down the stretch. Well, yeah, that's, that's right. Gave out. Yep. Well, the next time they are home, though, they're playing the Cavs, and uh, it's going to be Drake night. Did hey, you guys see the new OVO stuff that came I out did. today? I did. What did y'all think? I have to say I love it. I mean, that stuff looks golden. It's Drake. Drake definitely knows what he's doing, and you know I definitely need to get to that Drake store and pick up some of that stuff because it's pretty good. Where but is that store? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Do you I'm know right? I'm gonna Google Maps it. What is uh, it? Like uh, Queen West? The, the, the Drake I know Hotel? downtown. I, no, we're no, talking no, about no, the, no. the Obio store. Yeah, Obio store. store. 
Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna Google Maps that and and I'll be there. I'm, I'm, you'll see me next week with some of us. <laughs> you're gonna get your Instagram yeah. Instagram game on it. You already know. You already know. All right. Um, but yo, honestly, that stuff that stuff looks pretty good. I mean, everything he touches from the jerseys to you know, Drake Knight to everything he's doing with the ambassador of the team. You know, he's doing a really good job, and I'm excited what he's gonna do for All Star. That's something that you know, yeah. nobody's really talking about. It's gonna be. I think we got some pretty exclusive stuff. Well, uh, Ryan was saying a couple weeks ago that he guarantees they're gonna be. OVO colored All Star uniforms. Wow, for both teams. Yeah, he's he thinks it's going to be like absolutely OVO yeah. Fest I Winter Edition. I wouldn't, this, I wouldn't put it past them. Here's the thing to remember right now: that owl, that Drake owl, is more recognizable of a brand and a logo than the Raptors' new logo. Right, right. Like that's something that I think nobody wants to admit. No one wants to really say out loud, especially in the Raptors organization. But it's also part of the reason why, even on one of the shirts, you see that the Owl logo is actually right there, and the Raptors logo is nowhere to be found. It just says Toronto Basketball right. on it. And it, yet, it still has the NBA logo on the sleeves. Mm-hmm. The idea that he's sitting here and he's able to legitimately market his brand, along with an NBA logo aside it, and also Michelin Ness, something that has been near and dear to many hip-hop fans' hearts for at least the last 20 years. With all the throwback jerseys that we all used to wear back in the day, or yep. three and four XLs, I know I had one. I still got them. <laughs> I can't fit in any of them now. Dude, even the Raiders with yeah. NWA stuff yeah. back in the day. Oh my God! Yeah. So it's just you know the the fact that you know it, this is just a guy who who clearly understands uh, the, the temperature it. of the room. He gets I guess you it. Could say. But, yeah. You know, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Only person I think that doesn't like him right now is Meek Mill. Uh, <laughs> Who? That's it. Who? Yeah. <laughs> Who? Who? <laughs> the the ARM. Who? <laughs> going from two teams that are in season to a team that's out of season but is still very relevant in the news, everything that's going on. They're still running ish. <laughs> we'll move into the uh, Toronto Blue Jays here, especially considering bah, bah. the guests we have later on. Mr. Bob Elliott. Hall of Famer. Yeah, free agency. They just finished qualifying offers last Friday. Now you're going to start to see more guys start signing and a little more action on the free mm-hmm. agent market. Any, what do you guys think is going to happen with the Jays this offseason? I got, I got a list of stuff that I would love to see happen. I mean, first, I would love to see David Price back. I don't know if they'll... That would happen. That's just. Uh, I don't know. It all depends on payroll, right? I right. mean, it, there's you, been conflicting it, reports in terms of, like Bob said earlier <laughs> last week, that they're going to cut payroll. Right. And yeah. then Bob McCown said they're going to really cut payroll. Really? Yeah, he said they were going to cut it all the way down to yeah. as wow. far as 30% they keep less. keep this momentum up. You know. Well, then Shai Davidi and right. Rick Westhead said that it's going to be anywhere from the same, which would be about 130 to $140 million, yeah. to higher. So I'll go with the silverbacks it, I mean, on this they, one. They, 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 yeah, yeah, like <laughs> management has to understand. Like the reason why they were having sold out games was because they, you know, kind of spent money. They went all in and brought players in. They went for it, and you know, they saw a return on their investments with the fans coming out like never before seen. So I feel like you know we can't go back to the old way. We're no. kind of in too deep now. So we gotta, we got. If it was up to me, we gotta keep this momentum up. We gotta keep spending and, and take advantage of this window that we have. I'm excited, actually excited to see what Bob has to say about, you know, the changes he would like to see, what he, he would add, because, you know, he's in the know, right? Yeah, and I mean, like, to kind of go back to saying that it's exciting what the Jays have done this year, yeah. this is the first time in, I think, all of our lives right. that it was exciting to go to the Rogers Center. Oh, oh, yeah. It was exciting yeah. to watch the Blue Jays. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Look Man, at the ratings was, they were drawing I this was year. Watching, I was watching games, like, I, I've been a fan all year, but I was watching games when, you know, even after they clinched, just to see what the bench players were going to do. You know what I mean? There was mm-hmm. so much excitement around the team that, you know, you couldn't. You just didn't want to turn them off. I was listening to Blue Jays talk after the games. Oh, you know, what I mean? I was yeah, little, watching was, the, the pregame show. You know what I mean? It was a lot of fun, and it would be like a season that I've never seen before. So, you know, 
They have to keep it up. Yep. You guys think they go in and get a pitcher, or are they going to kind of roll with what they have and hope guys like Hutchinson bounce back? It's obvious they have to get a pitcher. You know, we have more than enough offense, right? They, 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 they have to. What do you think, Ryan? Pitcher? They have to, but they probably won't. Yeah. Um, the only reason I say that is just because, um, one, it's Rodgers. They'll find a way to but, screw but it up. But the thing yeah, is, Estrada, they got Estrada back. That was big. You know Estrada, what I mean? They got him it, on good terms. They got him on good terms. Look, Estrada... Estrada did very well. Estrada, at his very best, he's going to be a number two starter. In two, three, mi- middle rotation guy. Right? It will yeah. be a middle rotation guy. If we're talking about guys that can really shut it down, guys that are, you know. There aren't very many of those guys, though. That's the, the thing. Look, I'm I'm sorry. Rogers is going to find a way to screw this up because they've already screwed it up with Alex Anthopoulos. They've already screwed it up with uh, with what they were doing with Beeston even back then. So if they can't get their front office in order, I I don't know. No, but I don't I don't I don't, I don't see. I honestly don't see how they're going to be able. To I really get know, the was left, with the, what they, they have on the they field. Got the, it's they just got, no. They got the. It's not going to happen. <laughs> they got it's the. They got the uh, vice general manager back. They got the, all the coaches back. It's pretty well, much right him. Right. They did lose some scouts too. They did. Yeah. It's pretty much. But to me, it's pretty much the same. The same. They don't appreciate staff. the wins, man. They appreciate the bottom line. And you know what? They're I fair, would too if I was fair Rogers. Weather. <laughs> they're fair weather, man. That's what happens when you got your portfolio all tied up and it's a bottom line thing. It's not necessarily about the product on the field. Oh, look, it's winning now. This means yeah. we're making us more money. Let's, uh, yeah. what, what do we do here? I really that's, question their commitment. That's that's yeah, absolutely. I really question their commitment. I mean, I just think it's terrible. I mean, Toronto I mean, sports I, as a whole is just not a notch on the belt. For right? I've, got a, I've got a question. I've got a question for both of you guys. And I actually got a question for anybody, for everybody out there listening as well. Mark Shapiro has been marketed by Rodgers, both through Sportsnet and both through the Blue Jays organization, as the greatest thing since sliced bread. They've given him ample airtime to explain his case. They've given him ample airtime to discuss what it is that he wants to do with himself. What was he in charge of for 16 years? What was, or longer? How, Chris, years? How, yeah, how, how long was oh, he in gosh, charge of Oh, gosh, he's been there for a long time. Um, you got to keep in mind, I, I won't be too quick to kind of take a dump on Shaparo. <laughs> I don't he, think he's a bad person. I'm just talking about what has he done very, to show for He's a very, very, very savvy baseball I don't, I don't have, I don't have He's been to two World Series. He's been to four ALC, or three or four ALCSs. Um, he's built up quite a farm system they've had there. He's even... Been able to get guys like keep in mind if you want to go all the way back. To the had? thing is, the a Blue lot, Jays hired a lot. A don't don't through. let the recency bias of what Cleveland's done or Cleveland sports narrative as a whole. They didn't have a, they, the didn't have a, a, a big uh, payroll either. Though. He's always worked at the bare minimum. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but the thing about the Blue Jays is they hired a search firm. You know, I mean, they put money into the search firm to find the best guy for the job, and that's what they came search up with. Search firms are horrendous, man. That's are just they? lazy. Yeah, because what does a search firm know about the culture of your actual city? They just come True. in, they look around, True. they don't know anything about the culture, the immersion of what the organization is. It's just an independent firm that comes in and does, well, this is best yeah. off this. But I'm saying this. he was identified by somebody as uh, somebody trusted as the number one guy for this job. So there are people out there that believe in him. Who well, that, that front you know office I mean? trust scares me. Well, he's right. extremely savvy as a baseball person. Right. But to kind of piggyback what off Ryan was saying about how their the front office scares scares him, it, it scares me too because when they took over, they had no clue what they were doing. They were going to hang out with Randy Levine and the Yankees. They were going to L.A. They wanted to kind of learn Talking how about Rogers. Base, yeah, okay. Ed Rogers. They want to see how baseball worked. Yeah. And how to basically run. Yeah, they want to learn how to run a franchise. Right. Look, why why are you going to the Yankees? They're in your own division, or why are you going to go find out from somebody else? Right. You got do your homework. That and you got Paul Beeson there, who's been with the organization since it started. Why don't you go ask in your own backyard how a team works first? 
mm-hmm. before going to the guys like arch rivals like the Yankees. Right. Why don't you go to Boston? Why don't you go ask them what you should do in free agency too? Mm-hmm. Or if you guys want to pick a player A or B. Or s- it's just if you're going to take on something, it bothers me because we kind of overlook the responsibility you have as an owner. Right. Mm-hmm. And a gentleman who can answer all of these questions and more is our guest for the TOT cast this week. Creator of the Canadian Baseball Network, Toronto Sun baseball writer, the pride of Kingston, Ontario, and Hall of Famer, Mr. Bob Elliott. Sir, thank you so much for joining us this evening. So it was a wild end of the summer for the Blue Jays. What was it like seeing Paul Beeson down the stretch, knowing this was his last year? How, how was he around the team and the whole environment? Well, he was enjoying it. You know, they were in first place. It was uh, certainly exciting baseball. They were down 2 nothing against Texas and then came back, tied it up, and won the bat flip game. And then they were down 3-1 to one to Kansas City, and they came back and won the first one. And I would say uh, first and third, nobody out. You, you should be able to have a 9-1-2 and two coming up. You should be able to get a ball in play. They didn't get a ball in play until it was two out. Uh, Navarro struck out, Rivera struck out, and then Donaldson grounded out. But, uh, the, you know, that whole line about uh, there's a strikeout's the same as a, an out, is, I don't believe that. I mean, they get a fly ball there, and Navarro hits a fly ball. They had the extras, and who knows what happens. Do you have any examples or stories about Beeston during the playoff stretch? Um, or even Anthopolis? No, he was, uh, he was, uh, Beeson, Beeson is a very, uh, he's not like Steinbrenner or, uh, he's kind of like Bronfman when I covered the Expos. He's not around that much. Spring training, he's there once a year and for their banquet, their end of the season banquet. And he's there every, every night, but he rolls in like, I don't know, bottom of the first as soon as he gets off the phone or whatever. And then, uh, he sits the uh, he he and Howard Starkman they sit in a bunker like uh, Harold Ballard and King Clancy and <laughs> they uh, you know sometimes Cito Gaston's in there sometimes Devon White or George Bell or sometimes it's just the two of them but no I don't have uh, I I did see him in uh, he was on the road both in Arlington and Kansas City he saw me and he turned to this guy from New York from the New York Post and he said hey uh, George King he said George why don't you come back on the charter with us. You know, this is after game uh, after game two, and George said, "Are you nuts? I got to go and write." <laughs> and Beeson says, oh, "Well, that's why I asked you. I know you couldn't come." And uh, to bother Elliot, he could see me coming. You know, he knew I would hear him ask. But uh, the, the writers haven't read, haven't been on the charters, I think, since whatever Tim Johnson's last year was, whatever year that was, ninety-eight, ninety-nine. Clements is Clements' first year here. Yeah. I just want to ask you, what's the one thing you remember about? This 2015 season. I don't know one thing. That, man, that's a that's a tough one. I think I think I guess. I mean, the easy one would be to say the bat flip or something. I just think the enthusiasm around the park. You know, like a couple of times I went down to meet people that were here from Kingston. Another buddy from Kitchener was here, and I went outside. You know, half an hour before first pitch, where I'm not usually I'm not usually there, and. You know, everybody's dressed in blue, and, you know, the enthusiasm and the excitement, uh, I hadn't really hadn't... It wasn't like that in 92. It wasn't like that in 93. It wasn't like that in 1985. And it was such a young crowd. It was... uh, I think that would be the thing, because, I mean, when they moved into the Sky Dome in in 89, in June, there was a story, I think it was in the Star, that their average age of the fans was 52 or 54 or something like that. No way. The average age now is probably about 28. Mm-hmm. So I think that I think that would be the one memory, because that's so sustainable, whereas Batista's was one at bat, or uh, Donaldson's walk-offs were one at, you know, one at bat here, one at bat there. 
When you were uh, watching that seventh inning, given everything, the events that happened, what was your first impression when they had the torched call at the top half of the inning? And uh, have you ever seen Blue Jay fans react like that with such force uh, between throwing stuff on the field and the heavy booing and things of that nature? Have you ever... Have you ever seen anything like that happen in the Skydome before? No, I've never seen anything like that before. I was thinking of that line, uh, stay classy San Diego, you know. like uh, <laughs> We really yeah. didn't look too good, I don't think, if you were watching, sitting on your chair in, um, I don't know, San Francisco or Omaha, Nebraska or someplace. You, what are these guys? It was like a soccer crowd or something. They were mm-hmm. looking at somebody just got a red card, I think, or a yellow, whatever. They they were so irate. The conspiracy theory was that Bannister was the catching coach with Pittsburgh last year, and Martin was there last year. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people thought, well, maybe Bannister picked that up. That Martin dropped to one knee, and then he threw it after he looked the runner back to third. And Cho has this habit of using his left hand to tug on his uh, right elbow and sticking the bat out. But uh, I talked to Martin about it, and Martin said he was never warned about it, and he's never had it happen once. And, you know, it's not like it'd be like something like the the yips and throw the ball over the pitcher's head with a mid guy on third. Who was that? Oh, Dale Murphy, and they moved him to center field, and, you know, he won the MVP back-to-back years. There was never any warnings or anything like that, according to Martin. But there was a lot of venom in the park. Uh, That's, you know, and then whatever it was, 25 minutes later. Oh, the part I enjoyed was later was Sam Dice ripping everybody, uh, the guy that gave up the home run, and he says, you know, Batista's an idiot and (laughs) Encarnacion's an idiot. Like, I mean, there's two bench-clearing brawls, and why are there brawls? Or why they weren't brawls. Why did the benches empty? It emptied because he came down and yelled at Encarnacion, mm-hmm. who, who was trying to, at least my, from my vantage point, was trying to tell the people to shut up yeah. and quit throwing stuff. And then he goes and whacks Tulowitzki on the, on the bum. Well, I'd never seen that before ever. And then he surprised that Tulowitzki says, get your hands off me. <laughs> it really just sounded like everyone in the crowd just had one too many bad sodas, eh, Bob? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of beer and pandemonium and all that, what was going on in Baltimore, Bob, when Batista and they were, them were pouring beer on your head and everything? I saw a couple pictures floating around. No, that wasn't in Baltimore. That was here. That was the day they clinched. The playoff spot, no? The playoff spot on the Saturday, and I was talking to Martin, and they're acting like a bunch of five-year-olds, and Martin <laughs> Martin says, what's the big deal? I said, I don't know. He said, do you need me? And I said, no, I don't need you. And he said, well, I'm out of here. And he, he was gone like five minutes after the doors opened. And so then Hawkins was there, Latroy Hawkins. I said, how many of these have you been through? And so he figured it up, and it was 11. And I think I, when I got upstairs, I figured out Martin had been through like seven or eight. But usually it's like when you win to go on or, you know, you win the, the division. Well, these guys, all they'd done is clinch the second wild card, which they actually did before they got on the field. And they didn't even cover the lockers because there wasn't going to be any celebration. But they just... <laughs> They just went crazy. So so Hawkins says, uh, they, they must have got you wet a lot of times. I said, no. I said, I never really got wet in 92 or 93 or 87 or 85 or 89. I said, but I was standing in Baltimore in, 80, in 96, and Jimmy Key came up. And uh, I said, you got a second? He said, yeah, just a second. 
And then he came up and he said, who's that over there? And I turned and he stuck the neck of the champagne bottle down my back with a thumb on it. And then he <laughs> took the top off, uh, his, his thumb off it. And the, and the cold champagne went right down my back. That's the only time anybody ever got me. So anyways, I was talking to Saunders five minutes later and then Edwin comes up and Encarnacion comes up and he asked me something. And then all of a sudden it was Edwin and Batista. And the Japanese guy, the TV guy from Japan, showed me this thing. He videotaped it. And Kawasaki was in there. The team mascot? Yeah, the mascot. And then <laughs> uh, Pilar told me in Baltimore, he said he, he said he was in on it, which I didn't even see him. But So I get out into the hallway, and somebody flipped a towel at me. And I when I... I look up and here's who's looking at me, but Hawkins. I said, that was you. And he said, no, 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 it wasn't. So we got to Baltimore and he bought me a poncho. Like the, yeah, so like a rain poncho. But I went to the Orioles room first. So I didn't get wet. Other than uh, Joe Carter's big home run and win the World Series, any other bigger uh, moments than, uh, like, bigger moments than Batista had? I still think uh, Alomar's home run in 92, which put them up 3-1, to one, a game within the World Series on the... Saturday on the Thanksgiving weekend when, when we were in Oakland, and you know when he threw his arms up in the air, and all it did was tie the game, but they wanted in extras. Uh, I think I think that's more important. You know that was they'd always been you know with '85 uh, they lost the final seven games of '87, '89, '91 they lost. So this is this was this one finally got them over the hump, and I think that's the. Well, the previous regime, this is the only stadium in baseball that doesn't have a... They have a statue outside, but it's uh, of a businessman. So they were supposed to put Alomar's picture out there, or a statue outside with his arms in the air uh, after he hit the home run for the 40th anniversary next year. But I don't know whether that will continue under the new regime. But uh, I would say Alomar's would be second to Carter's and then... Uh, and then I guess Batista's because I won it. And then I probably I think Sprague's in game two, a pinch hit home run off Reardon because they would have come home from Atlanta down uh, 2 nothing instead. They come home tied 1-1. Yeah. You sound pretty close with Russell Martin and Saunders and all the Canadian guys. Uh, what was it like for them being at home, kind of at home in Canada here, seeing the country not only come together but playing for their country in a sense? Saunders, uh, he, uh, he, I was surprised he'd never ever won anything, so he was not even in the minors, so he was he was very into it. And uh, Martin, that first celebration, he wasn't into. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you, Martin was certainly into it one bit. Remember, because they scored the lead run after he hit the ball, after he hit Cho on the throwback to the pitcher. Yep. But when Batista hit the home run, uh, I don't think anybody in the like he was happier than anybody in the 200, the 500, or anybody. Uh, Martin was the, the most, you know, because what a what a way that would have been to have lost. Yeah, it would have been horrendous for him, especially being Canadian. Yeah. Is there any other stories that really stood out to you from this playoff run at all that you could share? Asuna, somebody made him a poncho. And it was uh, it was Blue Jay colors, and it had the the Mexican flag on it. <laughs> so I don't know. It wound up being in his locker, and I think they put his name on it. And he came over and thanked me for it. Like I had nothing to do with it. I don't know where he. You know, like kids, they get. He's only twenty. I don't know if he. Somebody might say, "Oh, it came from that guy over there." And there's like two hundred people.
people in the room, and he thought it was me. But uh, I don't. He, I said, no, no, I didn't send it to you. And then he thanked me again when we got to Kansas City. I said, I didn't. I didn't have anything to do with it. You know. <laughs> what about Stroman? He was. Uh, he seemed pretty excited after everything he did this playoff run. <laughs> yeah, Stroman. Uh, Stroman. I don't think Stroman's ever had a bad day at the ballpark. I mean, obviously he did in spring training when he blew uh, tore the ACL, but he. Uh, he uh, he'd be their number one going into next year, and uh, he's a guy that I think they can count on. You know, uh, there used to be a thing, there used to be a saying in baseball: you don't don't trust a short right-hander. Well, he's uh, he's the exception to the rule. Or you <laughs> don't lefties. don't depend on a short right-hander because they, they don't really last. Well, I'm kind of surprised you said he'd be the number one hanging in next year. So I get the vibe this off season's going to be rather quiet. I think if they're going to cut their payroll. I think not by a lot, but uh, you know maybe fifteen million or something. I don't think. I think Strowman's Strowman's their guy. I think. So I guess that would put them at like what one hundred and thirty mil next year. Hundred. Uh, I've seen Davidi say one hundred forty. I remember writing. I think they started at one hundred twenty-five and they finished at one hundred thirty-nine. I think I don't have it in front of me, but uh, they'd probably be probably be down about ten or fifteen from that. I'm just going off the top. I don't think I, I know. I heard earlier on the fan that it was going to go to 100. I don't think that's right. And yeah, McKenna said that. Somewhere else that it was going to be uh, stay exactly the same. Well, that's not right. It's I'm, I've been told it's going to. But the thing is, here's the thing: we're not going to know until July 31st. Like, like I mean, they had the reason he was able to pull off all those moves was because he he sandbagged on his money. You know, he didn't spend it. And I mean, Reyes Tulowitzki was a wash. They actually saved money, but they added seven million on price. They added—I uh, think they only spent a hundred thousand on Revere. Uh, Philly paid most of it, and then uh, Mark Lowe—he was making seven fifty, so they paid one third of that. That's nothing for a major league team. And who else did they add? Who am I missing? Tulowitzki, Price, Lowe, Revere. They had Hawkins too. Uh, yeah, Hawkins. I think Hawkins was like two point five or something. So one third of that. And then Pennington was cheap when they picked him up. Yeah, uh, the guy they got from the Cubs at the last minute. Yeah, oh, Darwin Burney. Uh, Darwin Burney. What was it like seeing him pitching a game? Pennington, the only guy ever to throw ninety miles an hour positional player on the mound. Yeah, that was uh, that was not a proud moment in French. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the knuckleball. It's it's like very very good or very very bad, and it was it was terrible that day. So. If you're the GM of this team going into this offseason, how would you turn this team into a World Series caliber team? Well, I'd sign, I'd, I'd resign David Price, but I don't think they're, go, I don't think they've got the money to do that. I'm pretty surprised they're not going to yeah. spend at all to go sign a Price. Well, they, uh, the thing is, they made uh, what was the number Simmons had? Was it 48 or 52 million or something like what they had in added revenue from uh, August, September, and October? And that's not counting next year. But so, you know, a lot of people have said that the number is bang on, but a lot of people have said, well, that gives them more money to carry over in the next year. But somebody explained it to me. The way it works in a publicly traded company is that, okay, there's a $50, $50 million windfall for this year. Fine, perfect. That goes back to the shareholders. There's no carryover here. Wow, I didn't know that at all. Yeah. That's 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 what uh, wiser guys than I. I mean, I'm I don't know. I would I would probably uh, I can't do my expense account. But that, this is what uh, this is what an accountant told me. He said he said people the people that are writing the, the and saying that, that they can take the money and flop it into next year. 
that's not the way it works. They can spend more money on their budget, but they have to give that to the shareholders because it's publicly traded. And, you know, there's a guy in Vancouver and there's a guy down east and there's a bunch of people in Toronto. They've all got shares. They want money. They want return on their dividend, you know, and the Rogers, whatever the initials on the stock market is, you know. So how does Tony Lakava fit into all this then? I mean, it's got to be tough for him to manage, I guess, inter-manage his team with tight funds like that. And I saw today you said that uh, Ross Atkins was a possible candidate as well. He's been with Cleveland for, what, 15 years now? Yeah, he's been there quite a while. And uh, and the other guy is uh, Josh Burns, who's a possibility. But uh, I think Shapiro is very smart. Uh, the press conference, he came in and he said, uh, you know, Gibbons is saying, the coaches are saying, and LaCava's uh, the interim general manager. And uh, I sent LaCava a note. I was I was still in New York, but I sent him a note. Uh, I, did you did you see a picture of him, the sweater he was wearing? No, I didn't see it. Uh, he had a he had a pullover. It looked like he didn't have a sports coat on or anything. I said, I hope that sweater's interim. You know. <laughs> <laughs> what did he say? Uh, ha ha. You know, <laughs> uh, I've known him since in '99. He used to scout for the Expos. Yep. He, uh, he used to come. Uh, I remember I met him. He was down at that place in Etobicoke. He was looking at Thorman, Scott Thorman, who went in the first round of the Braves. Lacava's kind of been Anthopolis' right hand man for a while. With him kind of scouting guys like Sanchez, Osuna, and even Hendricks, could you see them converting one of them into a starter next year? Well, Tinnish, Tinnish is the one, Andrew Tinnish is the one who drafted Sanchez, Syndergaard, and those guys. But Tony certainly deserves the credit for uh, he was involved in Hendricks, like when they signed him as a uh, and uh, who, who was the third guy you mentioned? Hendricks, Sanchez, and Osuna. Osuna, he he was involved in that, but Ismael Cruz was the, the main guy. Um, yeah, I can see them. It's a strange thing is Sanchez wants to start and Osuna does not. So uh, really. Well, yeah. I mean, the money—if you're gonna—if you're trying to make any money, it's as a starter. I don't blame Sanchez for wanting to be a starter, and they—they certainly—they uh, certainly have a need. But uh, Osuna is a strange one. He wants to stay at the back end. He wants to be a closer. Did he say why? Uh, just because he likes it, you know. I, I mean, you know, I, the thing is, I guess he really hasn't known anything else in the big leagues. I mean, he. When you think of it, like a year ago, when they like they opened in April, they opened Yankee Stadium. The year before that, him and his name Castro, they were sitting in uh, sitting in Dunedin, waiting to be assigned to Vancouver until uh, waiting for it to start in June. He was coming off the Tommy John. So, do you think um, the fact that Osuna doesn't want to start uh, probably has a lot to do with the fact that, uh, as a younger guy, I'm sure it can be uh, tough in the majors to uh, to try and stay focused every single day when you're not playing. And the fact that being this closer, he does get an opportunity to go out there and play every single day, and he gets to really be in the zone and focus. Do you think that for a guy at 20 years old that that might be something that's a little bit more exciting to him as opposed to having to get ready every five days? Or do you think that has anything to do with it at all? No, that could be it. That could be it. I'm not really, like I said, I'm not really sure why he prefers it. But uh, that, that's, I know there's guys that, like Paul Quantrill was like that. He wanted to be, mm -hmm. he wanted to contribute every day as opposed to, pitching and then waiting for four days, you know. He was a starter his first year here, and then he went back to the bullpen, and uh, he'd pitch, like, eight days out of ten. He was a rubber-arm guy. But uh, I think, I think, I don't, I'm not really sure what will happen when, as soon as agent has a talk with him and says, look, this is where the money is, kiddo. Uh, this is the path we're going down, you know. It, it'll all depend on what they what they come up with between now and opening day, you know, or now and uh, reporting date, I guess, Dunedin.
Speaking of young bucks, have you got a chance to see Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at all? No, I haven't seen him. No, no, I haven't seen him. They, uh, I guess he's playing third base, and uh, they're very happy with his progress. Yeah, he's a big kid. He's, they say he's bigger than Vladdy, his dad already. Yeah, yeah, I guess his first or second time there, he said he that he spoke, he said, somebody asked how good he was, and he said, uh, compared to his father, he said, oh, I'm better than him. He's <laughs> <laughs> pretty confident. At age. age 16. Yeah, I was going to say. I'm sure his dad got a good laugh out of that one, too. <laughs> yeah. I was going to play a little game here with you, Bob, the one we were mentioning earlier about uh, sure. 0 to 10. So we'll run through a list of free agents, and 10 being the highest of them possibly coming to Toronto, and 0 being not a chance at all. And you can feel free to add a line as to why or why not. So we're going to start with uh, some starting pitchers here. Some of them are probably zeros, but I'm going to throw them out there anyways. Uh, Zach Greinke. I think that's probably about a two. David Price? Uh, probably about a one. Wow. Uh, one. I think uh, they aren't going to spend the money. Mm. I'd be very surprised. Uh, like I said earlier, that that's the one I would uh, go and get. They spent all that. They made, Like we said earlier, they made all that money, so why not go and spend some? Where do you think Price ends up? Somewhere like the Giants or the Dodgers? Um, well, I thought all along he'd go with the Cubs and be with Madden. See, he's not a—he's a Tennessee kid. He's not a—he's not a, like a yeah. West Coast guy or an East Coast guy. So, I guess the the choice of the day nowadays for American League pitchers is to go to the National League. So, their numbers are better, and they only face eight hitters uh, for the first two times through the order. So, uh, and he can hit too, since he likes to hit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I guess that rules out Jordan Zimmerman, eh? I haven't heard I haven't heard the price numbers on him. Uh, excuse me, the amount on him. I don't know. I don't know uh, how uh, how high uh, he'd be, he's, he'd certainly be less than Grinky or um, or uh, Price. So they said he was asking for anywhere from eighteen to twenty two million. Uh, they didn't say term though. Yeah, I didn't get any report on a yeah. term, but they said see, that's the, see, the, the thing is the thing is Estrada might be a little bit high, you know, thirteen. Yeah. But the term is good. It's two years, so. I remember when Gillick was here, Gillick used to say, you sign a pitcher for three years, you're lucky to get two years out of him. And you should be happy to get two years out of him. So, I mean, like like three or four years ago there when uh, the Angels signed uh, uh, Pujols for ten years and Fielder for, uh, went to Texas for ten years. Like, what do you expect to get out of that? Yeah. Like seven, six? I don't know. So what was Gillick, what did he mean by if you well, get two years meant, out of he it? He meant that the guy... That they're going to break down, they're going to get hurt, just like uh, Eric Hansen did, although that wasn't him. Uh, just like Cottle broke down, I'm trying to think. Uh, just, you know, the the thing is they're like thoroughbred racehorses, and they, a lot of two-year-old thoroughbred racehorses, and <laughs> a lot of them make it to the three-year-old season. A lot of them miss time because they, cause they're uh, on the disabled list or spending time with a blacksmith, you know. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Well, I got three other pitchers that I'd ask you about. Um, an old one that they used to always link to the Jays was uh, Jeff Samarja. Uh, yeah, I'd say about a week ago I might have said a six or a seven, but now I think I'd say about a four, maybe. How come the interest is lulled down? Uh, I heard they didn't like him. So. <laughs> wow. who, who in particular didn't like him? Uh, some people with the Blue Jays. Now, that was, I don't know if Shapiro likes him. That was uh, the old people in the old regime, you know. Like, I don't know if... There's some people still there, but I don't know if uh, like who, who has the uh, final say. I think I know who has the final say, but I don't know Shapiro's <laughs> opinion. What about a guy like Doug Fister, kind of a bounce-back guy? Shapiro always was kind of fond of him and his analytics when he was in Detroit. Yeah, that, that guy would probably be, uh, I think we're going to give the highest mark there. They're probably a six, I guess. 
Six, okay. And I guess a guy like uh, Ibukuma would be probably on the low end as well? Yeah, I don't know. Injured. I don't know. Uh, I mean, two years ago, he was outstanding. I remember he pitched against Toronto, and I think it was, I think he pitched eight scoreless out there. I was out there for the, it was the night, I flew out the night they played that 19-inning game against Detroit. Yep. And I was finished, I uh, I wrote about uh, Jose Abreu, and I finished, and I saw Toronto was in, you know, with the three-hour time difference. And uh, so I remember phoning the, phoning the Sky Dome and asking uh, Mike, our other guy, I said, so how was your day? And it was only the 17th, and I was done. <laughs> was that Rutsy? Yeah, yeah, I was just teasing him. Hey, this is the last season, are you retired? Yeah, he was walking around. Uh, he was done as soon as Toronto was done, so when it got to 2 nothing Texas, he was walking around holding up one. You know, my magic number is one. I've only got one more loss, and then I'm done. And then, So then they won, and then he, so he's walking around holding up uh, four and then it was three and two and yeah he was he he's he's a good fellow he uh, he's gonna golf and uh, tour the world with his wife. Good for him. What about the bullpen here? What about a guy like uh, Antonio Bastardo, a lefty? Keelik had him for a little while. Yep. Yeah. Kind of expensive. They certainly have a need there. Uh, the bullpen. I mean, uh, Loop was not. The loop this year was not the loop of the past two years or three years, and uh, Cecil was uh, a failure as a, as a as a closer. But uh, what he finished 31 or 32 or 33 uh, scoreless outings, and you know they they really missed him when he when yeah. he picked off Napoli, and uh, he, then he got over and he uh, tore his calf. So yeah, he was their best relief pitcher from yeah. July on, I'd say. Yeah. What do you, you have 26 in the third scoreless, I think, you threw consecutively? Yeah, yeah Osuna, Osuna ran out you know, if you look up the home runs the first three months or four months and then the last two months, you know. What about a guy like Mark Lowe? You think he'll come back? I know he's a, a comedian in the locker room, I was told. Yeah, he is. They they think he's uh, he's out of their price range. That's that's uh, the last really? time I heard his name. That was, that was in Kansas City, I think. Did they say how much he was in the command? No, they didn't. They didn't say. Uh, they, uh, but they, here's a guy. He was on a split contract. He's the guy that gave up the home run to David Freeze in St. Louis yep. when he was with <laughs> Texas and uh, shuttled around. And then you know, last year he started out at Tacoma and he didn't get, excuse me, called up to the big leagues till uh, I don't know May fifth or something. Yeah, it was a while, and then he ended up. They said he was going to lose his job to Danny Farker and a couple other guys out there in Seattle. Yeah. What about in the infield? I know people are saying they might have a need at first base. Um, any shot a guy like Chris Davis, you even think Crush Davis is worth them throwing a contract at? I think he's going to want too much. I've, I heard they want to eventually transition Bautista to first base. Uh, I don't know about that. He's only got the one year left for sure. So, uh, I, mean, I mean, he could play there. But uh, I like Davis as a player. I think he would uh, he would be a big addition if you got enough if you had enough money. Once you solve the the pitching, and the thing about Davis, he's represented by Boris, which I think Boris uh, been a no-no for the Jays. Yeah, well, it was a no-no for the Jays under Beeston, and I think arguably Boris represented two of the greatest Blue Jays ever, and Delgado and Alomar, and they fired him. They both fired him. So uh, I don't. Th- I think he had Bill Risley, and then I don't think he's had anybody since Alomar's first year, and. Uh, 
he had the one kid that they drafted the one year and uh, oh Paxton yeah yeah Paxton and they didn't they didn't sign him so I mean I don't even know why they go near the guy you know when they 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 knew they knew they knew at the All Star game who uh, the year before it was who who had Paxton so what about a guy what about a guy like Justin Morneau you think he would come to Toronto oh he's coming to Toronto in a heartbeat yep he'd uh, he'd pay his own flight yep what do you think the chances are of them offering him if you had to go zero to ten how what would you say Maybe like a five? Well, I think I'd rather have him than Smoke. Yeah, I agree. I think he's a better defender, too. Yeah, and and Carnation is not a good defender. Uh, Even Colabello, he's not really a first baseman. He doesn't want to be, uh, and Carnation doesn't want to be. Well, let me think. Colabello is right-handed, Morneau is left-handed. Yeah, that would yeah. work, yeah. Because yeah. the only other lefty they have is Matt Haig, and uh, the Hanshing Tigers or whatever in Japan, they offered him a contract. Yeah. Apparently they're close to getting him. Any any truth to that, or is that just the? I saw that on Yahoo. They reported that. Uh, you, I hadn't heard that one, Cleve. You're ahead of me on the on the. You got me on the Mississauga <laughs> North and the Hanshin Tigers. Yeah, that's all the names I was going to ask you about. That I couldn't. Is there anybody else you could think of? Or anybody that you'd go after? Or I could s- see them. You know, just like they'll like it doesn't matter what the organization is like. Uh, whether the guy leaves Detroit and goes to Philly or the guy, uh, well, I saw it the other day, DePoto, DePoto left the Angels, went to Seattle, they made a trade with the Angels. I can see, I'll bet you the, either his first, second, or third trade is with Cleveland to get some kid that he likes and the other guys don't like. I wish it was Corey Kluber, but it won't be. Uh, no, I don't think it will. <laughs> is that, well, Carrasco was being thrown around a lot. Well, uh, that was uh, that was a story. Uh, that was a good story. Uh, I think it was about five days before the. I found out that they Cleveland said no to Pompey Norris, and I forget who the third one was, Hoffman. So the point was, if they were to offer those three guys for Carrasco, they would offer them to other teams, and that's exactly what happened. They trade. Well, they didn't trade Pompey, but they traded two of the three. That was the indication that they were they were certainly going to go for it. But I I don't know why I don't know why uh, why would the Blue Jays or sorry why would Alex Anthopoulos and Beeston uh, sell the farm if like I'm sure uh, Anthopoulos thought he was coming back on like Shapiro wasn't hired till August 31st. And the trades were made in July, you know, like you said earlier, yeah. that, that other story. I'll have to look that up. Yeah, I'll try and dig it up for you and send you the link because yeah. uh, when I read that, I was like, it doesn't make any sense because yeah. they were also implying that Anthopolis might have been a lame duck. But Shaparo didn't really take over till the end of August, like you were saying. Well, how could he be a lame duck if he traded for Price? And- <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't, quack, quack. It didn't make any sense to me. <laughs> yeah. That kind of came out when um, the whole scolding report came out. What did you make of that? Scolding report? When they said Shaparo scolded and thought Oh, yeah, yeah. Apparently, well, there's something to that. I don't know if he's. No, I don't know. If, I think scolding is a little strong, but uh, I, that's accurate from what I've heard that he didn't like the price trade, yeah, and he didn't like. Uh, yeah, that that's accurate that there was some friction from day one, yeah, and I think it was about September 5th in a meeting, but I. I uh, I was told scolding is uh, too strong a term, but there was there was they, they didn't hit it off. Obviously, they didn't hit it off, or the guy wouldn't have left ten million on the table. You know. Yeah, I heard they had philosophical differences where. Uh, yeah. Shaparo likes to kind of build and sign guys long term within the organization, and Topolis is kind of we're just going to go out there and get guys and win no matter what it takes. Well, that was the case last year, you know. Yeah, because he built up all this 
prospect depth that they've had. That wasn't just an accident. I mean, that was years of him yeah. getting these guys. You know, you remember they had those, like, they trade for, or they claim Miguel Olivo and then let him go three days later or something. Yeah. <laughs> and they get the draft pick. And then uh, who else they did? There was, like, three got, three extra picks they got so, uh, Nate wants to play a little game here with you, a little funny game he says he got. <laughs> it's just a little funny game. Uh, so, I'm going to give you two guys, their names, and I'm going to describe what they look like, and you got to tell me, uh, you know, one to ten, uh, how accurate it is. You're going to give me two names? Yep, two names. And tell gonna, me what they look like. Right. And like Just a funny funny way of what they look like, and then you got to tell me how accurate it is from one to ten. Okay. Okay. So, the first name is Terry Collins. Terry Collins looks like a guest character on Golden Girls that shows up to take Blanche on a date. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then the second one is Bartolo Colon looks like the last Mohican who ate the second last Mohican. <laughs> I think Bartolo wins with a nine, and Terry Collins would be about an eight. I think I saw him on that show with Betty White. <laughs> You guys got anything else you want to ask, Bob? No, it's, <laughs> no, it's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Bob, it's been... I, I, I can't so thank much. you enough. Yeah, I learned so much just in this last half hour that we had. So there's nothing else you guys want to ask, Bob? No, no we're good. We're good. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Bob, for taking the time. It's much appreciated, and uh, we hope to have you on at some point soon. And, All right, boys. And that was, of course, Hall of Fame sports writer Bob Elliott. Um, a lot of stuff to cover there. Um, wow. Just, yeah, honestly. I'm mind-blown. It was that was great. I honestly, the one thing that I'll always I'll, I'll take away from him is is a guy who's been around in the organization since its inception almost forty years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, to 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 say to us that he even he's never seen anything that crazy before, like that seventh inning in the ALDS uh, game five. Uh, to see the fans react the way that they did, to see the the way that the, the tide turned in our favor after what seemed to be yet another Toronto sports curse taking a hold of us. Uh, for him to even stand up and say, I've I've never even witnessed anything like that before, really, really says something to a history-making moment that it was. Right, because, you know, he's seen it all. Everything you could possibly see in a Blue Jays uniform, he's seen it. And he said that seventh inning was, you know, one of a kind. And, you know, I was actually at the game, and I, the whole time I kept thinking to myself, wow, is this really happening? <laughs> it didn't seem real. Like, you know, Raining Budweiser. Ra- Budweiser Kids were getting hit. Popcorn was getting thrown. Squat, the squat team was out on the field. It was mm-hmm. it was incredible, man. And then and then the turn of events of the Batista hitting that home run was just you know something just out of a movie. And they always say real life is crazier than anything in the movies, and and you know, it was true that night. Yes, it was. What do you have to say about uh, free agency and? David Price likely not coming right. back. Yeah, that, well, guys, that, was one that thing hurt my heart. Yeah. I, I wanted to cry. That's one thing I wanted <laughs> I to choke see, back. I want to see him back. That's a bona fide ace, you know, shutdown guy, you know, one of the top five pitchers in all of Major League Baseball, and I would love to see him back. But you know, you know, he has better sources than I do, obviously, and he says he's not coming back, and that's a tough one. You know, what do you think about tough that? Pill to swallow. It was a tough pill to swallow. I can't say I'm too surprised because of the money. Right. I was more surprised that he said that they were going to kind of reduce payroll to start. Yeah. That's not definitive, What's up right? with that? It kind of gives them some flexibility going to the July 31st deadline for next year. But to be honest with you... Reducing just, payroll, though? Is that because David Price it's not is a coming finalized, off? It's not a finalized payroll, right? It's right. very fluid still, like right. he was saying. So if they don't resign uh, David Price, obviously the payroll is obviously reduced. But yeah. are they... Like what... 
Wasn't I guess it's kind of subtraction mm. based off not signing, resigning a guy, but mm-hmm. yeah. it kind of sounds like they're being cheap, right? Yeah. In my opinion, I was shocked that uh, the money that we made off of the playoff run pretty much goes to all the investors. Yeah, the, the yeah, I, I didn't know that. I didn't know it was a, know as that. corporate as it was. We right. always I just say the, it's corporate, right. right? But I didn't know that there was that much kind of a hierarchy or a pecking right. order to go through. That basically everybody's got to make. Yeah. Everybody got to eat. Yeah. yeah, really. No, I just thought. You know, you make that money for the team. You know, they, they kind of just put it back into... The fans lose in Toronto all the time, right? <laughs> yeah. It's just absorbed it's back into the bigger machine that is yeah. Rogers, which is why this front office will forever <laughs> scare me. So, And he did kind of have some breaking news um, about pitching. I know you asked him about, you know, who's going to be in the rotation. And he kind of said that Aaron Sanchez wants to be in the rotation. Because that's, where, yeah, that's where the money is. Yeah. But... Osuna wants to stay in the bullpen. I thought yeah. that was really interesting, especially for a twenty-year, well, soon to be twenty-one-year-old. Right. I thought that was really interesting. I thought it was too, because I guess now we kind of know what the closing situation is going to be for, right. like for next year. To me, if a guy wants to be in the bullpen, wants to be a closer, I say you leave him there because that's where he's comfortable. Mm-hmm. So, like sports, is all about comfort. And if a guy is comfortable in one role, you want to leave him there because I've seen a lot of times when. You try to, you know, people try to project stuff on guys like, oh, he's a great closer, so he'd be a yeah. great starting pitcher. Yeah. But if a guy's not comfortable in that role, he, he's not going to succeed at it. I've I think, seen it. I think, though, to, to Bob's point, uh, which I think we all here found very interesting, was the fact that uh, I'm sure his agent explained to him the, uh, I'm sure his agent is going to, sorry, explain to him the importance of being able to uh, be a starter as opposed to being over a closer in the league. Right. Because, and and this is to a point that he was kind of touching on, but I think it's one that we can all acknowledge is the fact that starters in Major League Baseball are always going to be given five or ten times the chances that a closer would get if you blow up or you have a bad season, mm-hmm. right? Like he's, I think his agent would protect him and, and try and convince him to say that he wants to be a starter despite how much Osuna may want to be in that role as a closer. Right. Like a closer is a position that you are put in after you didn't make it as a right, starter. Right, and the reason right. for that is because it's such a cutthroat position on the team. If you have a couple of bad games in a row, you can get outright released. Forget put on the bench. You can get straight released if you're not producing well enough. I mean, I don't know what you guys think, but that's what it seems like it might yeah. be. Well, they're really high on Osuna. You know, he's still really young, right? So yeah, I don't course. think he's yeah he's don't he'll think get he's, chances obviously. Right. But I don't I think, think he's reached get, that point yeah. quite yet. But it's just really interesting for, you know, it's almost like, do you want to start or do you want to come off the bench? And, you know, maybe he's he's a better guy coming off the bench. You see yep. you see it all the time in the NBA, guys are better coming off the bench. Like, Mr. You know, Sweet Lou. Yeah, like Lou <laughs> Williams. You put him in the starting lineup, he's just not quite the same. But yep. on the bench, he thrives. Yep. Maybe like Fresh a guy legs. like Swaggy P, he comes in. Manu Ginobili is kind of thriving that role, you know, coming off the bench. It's you know, extended really. his career. Exactly. So you see it all the time. Guys get comfortable in roles and they thrive, and you try to put something else on them, and you know, they'll do as well. But you know, I'm Good excited. I, nevertheless, I'm excited about this team. Yep. I mean, you know, they're going to be changes, obviously, but they're going to have. I was thinking about this. They're going to have that stacked lineup for a 162 game season, opposed to just half a season, mm-hmm. right? And you see what they did in that half a season. Like they tore, the they tore the MLB apart. The most notable people in the MLB, the best writers, they're saying the Blue Jays are the best team. So now they're going to have all those guys for the whole season, maybe lose price, but majority of the team is going to be there for the whole season. But we will have Stroman back now for a full right. season if he stays. Exactly. Healthy. Are they like what? 
what do you see happening with this team next year, Chris? I think they're going to be kind of similar to what we saw yeah. at the end of the year. Right. Keep but them. for a full year, they remember, they were 50 and 51 at the what at the trade deadline? Yeah, it's so, a 162-game right. season. You're not going to go anywhere unless you have five, six pitchers, right? Right, okay. You can mash the ball all you like, but their numbers, too, were a little inflated at times last year because nobody scored eight or more runs in one single game than the Blue Jays did. They did it over 12 times last right, year. Right. So that kind of inflates your stats because you're having these monstrous nights. Yeah, right. I'm not trying to take away from the offense here. It's going to mash the ball. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, there's when you're a hitting team, there's highs and there's lows. When you're really high, you're going to have these ridiculous mm-hmm. months. And when you're low, you're going to have slumps. That's where the pitching has to come in. Absolutely. Is their pitching staff better now than last year, say, for the first half of the season? Oh, the first, you can't compare the first half. Look at the second half. That's what carried this team to the playoffs. Best ER the, in all baseball I'm just saying, was I'm the just saying the pitching staff is going to be more similar to like how it is now, because you know we might. Well, what, I mean, the first I half? mean, no, we're losing price, right? More so likely. Yeah. What, what's the pitching staff looking like right now? You got what's well, number one is Stroman. He said Stroman's going to be number one guy. Yeah. Who's number two right now? Estrada. Estrada. Who's Dickie. number three? Dickey. Four. Hutchinson. This, this is where it starts getting. Yeah. I think like he was. Hey, Sanchez. Hutchinson. Yeah, one of those two, and then I think I think those two will fight for the fifth spot. And Sanchez like Bob and was saying, I think they're going to take a run at somebody. Okay, I'll be at Doug Fister. Okay, or so their pitching staff projected is going to be better for next year. I think it'll be about the same. About the same. Yeah. Okay. About the same. Mm-hmm. I couldn't see it being better or worse right now because you don't know what the back half of that rotation is going to be. That's true. But if you're projecting it. What, uh, that's what well, I'm saying. If that's we're going to go up projections and Sanchez pans out to be what yeah. everybody projected him to be, yep. then it'll be better. Right. Because he has the capability so, of being so an ace. That's, that's what I'm saying, though. So, with that being said, can you expect a better team overall? Like I, I honestly record? think they're going to be about the same right now. Okay. Because you got to take into account the rest of the division is going to get better. Really, though? Like, what's the, the, Why wouldn't yeah. they get better? Why wouldn't a Boston get better? That. Farm system is and Boston might loaded. get better. It is loaded. And Boston might get better. Prospects uh, are capital in the baseball world. You can use them. I still to think the, the Blue Jays are are, are are significantly better than uh, all those teams in that division. Yeah. yeah. Let's let's say though that they beat they they crushed the Yankees this year. You Yankees take, are getting older. Yeah, but I'm saying if you take away three of those wins, that's a big difference in the race. Mm. That's a lot closer of a race now. If you if three of those games swing the other way, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so it's it's just and it, New York was yeah, we'll able. To, New York was in the hunt right to the end. Even made the damn wild card. They game. did, and but with they, no, with they had like, career years from guys oh, that didn't expect. You know what I mean? That's not happening expect, again. Like, and that's the thing, though. Nobody expected them to do well. And look, you could also look at the other end of the spectrum. Look at Washington. They were pegged as World Series favorites and just completely imploded the entire season right before right. our eyes. So. Yeah. You know, you really don't know. Baseball, has, I don't know. you know, to, to both your points, you know, it's a 162-game season. Uh, it, for us, it's murky after the, the third starter, and we're, we just we don't specifically know. We can hope for the best. We can hope that this team has enough offensive power to carry them through. But, like, to Chris's point, they're going to struggle at times, and it's really going to come down to the pitching. And it's, you know, it's kind of sad to say that it could all be determined by – it could all be determined by three or four guys, even though we have – so many talented bodies in the starting lineup. Yeah. Alone. You can't project health either, right? You Guys can't, get you hurt. Can't, you can't. Things happen. For sure. Yeah. But I'm saying as of right now, for the whole 162-game season. It's a 90-win team on paper. 90, yeah. It might be more. I mean, look at the Yankees. Were, I'll give were, you an example were, of the Yankees. The Yankees, sorry to interrupt, Mateo. But no worries. The, the, the reason, look at the Yankees. They, they signed in the last three or four years. What was their biggest signing? Masahiro Tanaka, right? Right. This guy missed, this guy's missed half of his time he spent in New York. Right. 
to play to the idea of injuries. Injuries can determine everything with that, but... I understand what you're saying. Injuries can determine everything, and that's the big unknown in sports: injuries. You can't plan Look, I for just it. Hate Rogers right now. Like, <laughs> you can't. You know, you can't plan for injuries. You know, you can't. There's nothing you can do about injuries, but just yeah, but have yeah. a good roster and hope the next man steps up. Yeah, and yeah. that's something that the Blue Jays are building. I mean, they have a good roster. You know, they're really deep. I mean, offensively, if someone gets hurt, we all know the lineup's deep. So you know, they can they can uh, survive that. I don't know about the pitching staff, but the best thing they did every to help team. the pitching staff was the defense, though. Right. Getting a guy like Tulowitzki oh wasn't all about yes. at the dish. Right. The runs he saves and having a full season of him when right. he is playing at the top of his game. Right. Absolutely. He's not only the best shortstop in baseball, right. he's one of the best players in baseball, right. defensively, offensively. And look at the effect he had on guys like Ryan Goins. Mm-hmm. Goins he really stepped picked his game him. up. Yeah, because yeah. he's learning from an all-around pro. Runs. Right. <laughs> it's different right. when you've got a big professional. Up. Right. Yeah, a guy like Tulowitzki is going to have a, a massive effect in the clubhouse. I would love to see Justin Morneau at first base. Yeah, like Bob was Talk saying, that he would pay for his ticket defense. to come here. Right. I'd love to see that. Talk about another upgrade on defense and, you know, whatever he has left another in the back. Guy. Right. He's I a mean, lefty, too. He's a lefty, yeah. He gives some good balance to the lineup. Right. Mm-hmm. So that would be interesting. Um, it will be very interesting moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it will be interesting to see what happens. And with a team that's loaded with a whole bunch of studs, we thought it would be kind of fun to uh, transition into our next game that we decided to make up this week, Chris. Nate. Uh, Nate. That's right, Chris. Uh, the next segment here is actually a, a creation of, uh, of Nate's. He's been excited about this. Let's all go! <laughs> all night. All night. So, Nate, please break it down for us. What exactly is Studs and Duds? Okay. The next segment we got going is Studs and Duds. And we take the Stud of the Week and the Dud of the Week. Like Ryan was saying before, you can hear the background music, imaginary players. Are you an imaginary player or are you a real gangster? Nate, are you a stud or are you a dud? <laughs> we're, we're about to find out. All right, bro. Lead it off. Okay, I'm Ben Leadoff, Ben Ben Revere, we're ready to go. My stud of the week is none other than Steph the Chef Curry. Compared to Michael Jordan's first 10 games of his 95-96 season, he's averaging more in points, rebounds, and assists. And don't forget shooting percentage. Even last week, a soon-to-be Hall of Famer, Kevin Garnett, compared him to MJ, the GOAT. Steph Curry is my stud of the week. Chef Curry with the shot, boy. My dud of the week is a, a fan of the Green Bay Packers game. As you heard, Aaron Rodgers roast them. He brought out anti-Muslim remarks, and that's uncalled for for me. Uh, he's definitely my dud. You can't bring you can't bring stuff like that into the sporting events. You know, people go to sporting events to get away from everyday life. They go to get entertainment. They go to see you know the best athletes in the world compete, and you know stuff like that. It's ignorant stuff like that is just not uncalled for and just. Not, not to be accepted, and I'm happy that Aaron Rodgers spoke up and you know said it was it, it was it was not to be tolerated and yep, and, and it, you know even regardless of the score of the game that's unacceptable. So that dude, whoever he is, he knows he's a dud. <laughs> Coming straight from the anti-bully ambassador, Argos wide receiver Natalia J. <laughs> All right, well, um, my dud of the week is uh, unfortunately. Uh, an amazing quarterback throughout his entire career, but uh, he uh, actually cost me my fantasy game by point two points. So how, how does that happen? He put up a negative six. That's how that happens. Even if he had just not played, I would have won. <laughs> if he had just not played, <laughs> if he just went down with an injury, I would have won the game. At any rate, 
Unfortunately, it is uh, Mr. Peyton Manning. Uh, unfortunately, he came down with an injury, so uh, we wish him a speedy recovery. And, uh, you know, he's still one of the GOATs. Um, and uh, hopefully he gets better soon. Now, my stud of the week is actually a guy who uh, faced a lot of heat getting drafted by a certain organization that uh, takes a lot of uh, its fans suffer through a lot of the same kind of heartache as league fans here in Toronto. And those are New York Knicks fans. Uh, they got the same terrible ownership uh, kind of, well, not terrible ownership, but got the same incompetent ownership that's incapable of uh, being able to put together a, a winner. And, uh, however, this young man is, is setting out to prove all of those uh, fans that were booing him when he got drafted uh, completely wrong, and that is Kristaps Porzingis. He's averaging nearly a double-double so far this season. But you know what, boys? You want to know why he is a complete and total stud? Why he's my stud? He had cornrows in high school. Hey, Who had cornrows in high you school, gentlemen? Real, you know you're a real oh, bother when you got cornrows. Who had cornrows in high school? You have the Who? driver's license to prove it, too. That's the best part. That's right. Who did? Nate? Who had cornrows? I had cornrows. <laughs> you already know he's a baller if he had cornrows. That's once right. I Once I got the cornrows in my hair, though, my game stepped up to another level. That's um, right. <laughs> serious. I had a 1 5 <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, for me, my dud of the week is uh, Jonathan Bernier. We all saw last night flipping the puck in halfway from the center ice. And, yeah, you know, he's one of those squeakers that goes in, and I'm just I'm not going to get into too much. Squeak, squeak. The man's probably going to be potentially without a job pretty soon. <laughs> um, my stud of the week goes back to last Thursday night, Mr. Rex Ryan. Four-letter word, yeah, about bleep. 36 times. Bleep this. Bleep yeah. Bleep yeah. Yeah, he goes back into New York, gets a huge win, sexy Rexy, talking all that jazz. Yeah, he's a big wiener, all right. (laughs) And uh, the Bills are in sixth position right now in the AFC, and they're about to walk into New England and put up a real good fight and possibly win outright. Bleep, yeah. That's right. Take the points and buy that line tomorrow morning when it opens, guys. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to it. That was the studs and dud of the week. Brought to you by... <laughs> you real gangster, or you a pretender? And with that, I would like to uh, thank everybody for uh, tuning into the TOT cast this week. My name is Ryan Greco, and we also have our wonderful and talented co-hosts here, Chris O'Kranitz and Natalia J. You can always reach the show at Tip of the Tower on Twitter. You can also like our Facebook page, Tip of the Tower. If you'd ever want to reach out to myself, you can reach me at Ryan Greco four one six on Twitter. You can reach Natay on Twitter at Tay. 11 underscore and of course you can always follow Chris O'Kranitz at Chris O'Kranitz on Twitter we'd also like to thank the Hall of Famer Bob Elliott for taking the time to stop by the TOT cast today it was an amazing in-depth interview boys oh yeah I learned so much you know appreciate you Bob you know gave us a real insight on everything uh, Blue Jays related and uh, you know it was big you know learned a lot yeah, it's always a pleasure speaking with Bob. Um, looking forward to grabbing some diet sodas with him soon and catching up again. So uh, thanks a lot for coming on the podcast. It was greatly appreciated. Lone Star Grill, I got the bill, or at least the first round of drinks. You do? Uh, <laughs> yeah. right, I'm, I'm writing that down. Wow. <laughs> well, they already got it on record now, so <laughs> we'll see you all next week. Thank you so much for joining us this week, and uh, everybody have a fantastic day. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. 
Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.